Welcome to the You on the Camino de Santiago podcast, Season 4. This podcast is for and about people getting ready for their first ever pilgrimage on the Camino de Santiago in Spain, France, and Portugal. With your host, Camino guide and longtime pilgrim, Nancy Reynolds of the Camino Experience. You give and give and give. And then one day you ask, what about me? What happens when you finally decide you matter just as much as everyone else? For Tiffany Caudill, the answer was, you go for a walk on the Camino de Santiago, and then you take on the next dream, and the dream after that one. Hi, this is Nancy, and I am back again with my first guest of Season 4, my friend and fellow pilgrim, Tiffany. Tiffany and I met during the pandemic when we were both caregivers for our elderly parents, and when we were both longing for a long walk on the Camino. Tiffany had gone from preschool teacher to dementia caregiver, and then she went from caregiver to pilgrim on the way to Santiago de Compostela, and then from pilgrim to mythologist. That's who you get to meet in this episode of the You on the Camino de Santiago podcast. You may be wondering, what is a mythologist, and what does this have to do with the Camino de Santiago? Well, let's break it down. Mirth is defined as laughter and happiness. So, mythology is the study of laughter and happiness. And a mythologist is the one doing the study. One of my favorite questions for first time pilgrims is what will you do after the Camino? What have you been longing to pursue? What dream have you long forgotten or abandoned that maybe, just maybe, Walking the Camino will empower you to rediscover. For Tiffany, the first dream was to walk the Camino. The dream behind the dream was to explore and discover the magic of laughter and why and how it is, as they say, the best medicine. To put the pin in the map, Tiffany and I were on the Camino Frances together in fall 2021. And since then, She has been quite busy following her next dream. She's going to tell you about that in a moment, but first I need to tell you about a tech issue I've been experiencing. The powers that be recently made some changes to the rules around sending out business emails, and those changes had some unexpected side, uh, not benefits, what's the opposite of benefits? Negative impact. That means that all the contact forms on my website effectively broke. So if you have reached out to me recently and I have not yet responded, that's because your inquiry is lost wherever those things get lost in the ethers. If you have requested to sign up for my September group walk from Saint-Jean-Pied-du-Port and you haven't heard back from me, or if you have purchased my Camino Frances Getting Started audio guide, or if you have tried to let me know that you'd like to be a guest on this podcast or anything else, and here's the important part, you have not yet heard back from me, please accept my apology and please reach out again. The timeframe for this black hole was January 30th through February 5th, 2024. Again, so sorry to leave you hanging. I think I have everything resolved now. And in general, my standard is to respond within two business days. So please don't hesitate to hold me to that. You can get back in touch via my website, thecaminoexperience.com. Again, thanks for your patience. All right, shall we get to Tiffany? Here we go. Tiffany, hi, thanks for being with me today. Hey, Nancy, how's it going? Oh, it's going so good. Now, I have a feeling though that that was kind of a calm hello for you. How do you oh. usually say hello? <laughs> I wish my listeners could have seen that because Tiffany is, she's my laughing friend and you're going to find out why as we go through this conversation, but her real hello usually is arms in the air with so much enthusiasm 
and so much happiness to see you, to be with you, and so much expression of love and joy. So Tiffany, I'm just absolutely tickled that we get to spend our time together and talk about your Camino experience and what you have been doing since you walked the Camino. Yes. And what an experience it was. And I have to say, integration after the walk was the big part. Uh, but leading up to it, I was um, I was in a really bad spot. Mm. I was in a mentally drained, strained, depressed, caregiving 24-7. And I um, I had to manifest this. I had to manifest uh, not only a dream, but a desire. It was just, a, and it was, I got to go. It was a guy got to go. Oh, wow. I wonder how many of my listeners know that feeling, that feeling of, you know what, I, I just need to get to the Camino because I know there's something there for me. And I need to get away from these current circumstances that are sucking the life out of me. Yes. Yes. It was swampy. I, swampy. I, Good word. I was stuck. I was drowning. Mm. I'm suffocating. Uh, it was, um, I was caregiving for dementia and I um, resigned from my 20 year career as a preschool teacher. So my, my celebration of people was just every day. Happiness is the continent of the classroom. That's what you get with preschoolers, right? That's right. And 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 all the above and below, because you're gonna <laughs> surface on every emotion. But the the act of celebration was was clear and true. Um, but not so much with dementia, not oh, so gosh. much with the, the death of the mind. And so I went from dancing and making Play-Doh to being in a um stagnant pond of of memory loss and decline and and cancer and it just um she just evaporated in front of me um so in that process i didn't know where i fit i didn't know who i i could easily care for somebody yes you're sick or you're you know you're you're you need help i got to change you and feed you and do all those things i got to think for you in, in her steady decline, my dance with death was so, so overcoming my breath that I didn't know how to breathe for myself and I needed a way out. And I think I manifested you. Yeah, something happened. I love how we came together. I yeah. love how we came together. So I want us to tell that story. That's part of why I wanted you on the podcast, but let's Go ahead and put the pin in the map, like I like to say, and let's at least get it get it on the calendar and the the map where you walked and when you walked. Will you tell us what Camino you ended up doing? Yes, I uh, flew into Barcelona and I took the train to Pamplona. I walked the opposite way. <laughs> <laughs> I went a little bit backwards uh, towards the Pyrenees. But the weather was ridiculous at that time. So I just stopped in Zaburi. Yeah. And so that's technically where I started. Okay. And I went from Zaburi down to Vienna, which is a little less than 100 miles. Okay. I did not complete my walk, um, but I was very satisfied for what I did accomplish. Great. And we're going to talk about how that came to be, how it, how it went from whatever the big Camino dream had been, because you'd been thinking about walking the Camino for quite a while. Right. Yes. Uh, about ten years prior to the time that I met you. Okay. Um, I was uh, inspired by the way the movie. Um, I'm sure many people on this pod have seen. If not, check it out. Mm -hmm. And it just it it was a, a a tale of the wanderer. You know, it, it, to me, to me, when I was seeing and visualizing myself doing that, it felt like a dream, and it felt like it was graspable, you know, mm. it was something that I could live in fantasy in. And in my fantasy head, I can make whatever is going on and happening. But just getting getting there and going through it, I was inspired. I saved up my money for a long time. And it just seemed at that one point where I was just so desperate to, to live and feel and experience something. That's when you came into my life. Mm. You want to tell that story? How'd we meet? 
Yeah. So, okay. So there was this thing called, called COVID. And uh, I don't know if you remember, but that, you know, we had this like weird lockdown situation and I'm online and I'm going like, okay. Um, the only thing I can, my only self-care and time by myself is walking that I can do. I can leave the house for a little bit and walk around the block. And so I got my, my pedometer and I'm just getting into this. And I got the dream of the Camino in the back of my head. And, you know, I'm just pretending. I'm just going through the motions. I'm pretending. So I'm going online. I look, where do people meet to go for a walk? And, you know, what can I plan? And so I, I get online to, uh, there was this group, uh, Pilgrim's Group uh, meetup kind of thing. But people weren't meeting up. They were just sharing information of where you could go and walk by yourself. Okay, great. Yeah. So that was the Sacramento's uh-huh. Pilgrims Facebook group. There we go. So I left a comment. Yeah. I didn't have any friends. I was just trying to like meet up with people. I, I don't know. It, it was strange to, to, cause I, I, I could, I've never been out of the box like that. I've never, but I've never public, publicly asked for people to walk with me. It was weird. It's a weird ask, right? It's, <laughs> it's out in the <laughs> online wor- world and I don't know any of these people. We have one thing in common that I'm aware of, and that is that we have an interest in the Camino. Yeah, I, I was I was lonely and desperate. <laughs> it's like I don't. So I make a post. I was like, okay, so where do people meet up? And they're like, oh no, it's it's only you know, you know, restrictions only by yourself. I was like, oh, oh. well, um, and they suggested, well, you can go with your friends, and I'm like, I don't have any friends. I'm four-year-olds were my friends <laughs> and now I got this poor lady over here and I don't have anyone to share with and then and then you popped up and you're like I'll be your friend that was the sweetest most genuine thing I I mean I felt like I was back in grade school it was like oh I just met somebody on the playground and they want to be my friend and they I mean that that's you know and that was the commonality right there was to walk and to be together and the thing that I think is important about that story is that that's when I was caregiving for my my dad and his wife. And mm-hmm. my dad's wife was in hospice in a facility. My dad was at home, but needed a lot of care. And I would take him to visit her. We, Myself and another caregiver got him there seven days a week to visit her. And I was in a, a similar position. I was just worn out and cross-eyed. And So I met you and I'm like, oh my gosh, we're interested in the Camino. We both are caregivers and we live like 15 minutes away from each other. Well, okay. That, that means there's a river in between, but that's okay. We actually had to get, this was fun. We would plan our training walks along the, was it, is it the American river? Yes. In Sacramento. But Tiffany lived, you lived on one side of the river. I lived on the other side. So we'd meet on the bridge that connected the two sides and walk from there. <laughs> yeah. And I see you coming up in my arms. Up there. <laughs> Yay, there you are. <laughs> yeah. And that was such a great thing to be able to talk about not just the Camino and our excitement, but let's be real about what's going on in our lives and what's, what's weighing us down. Now, when we first met, what was your time horizon? When did you think you might be able to walk the Camino? Well, when we first met, I had no clue that that was something you did. Like that didn't even come up in conversation until a couple times after we had walked. And I was like, oh, really? You do that? So I had no time estimation until after you said, oh, yeah, I go every twice a year. And I'm like, what? Who is this woman? And I was like, I want to go. And you said, well, we're going to go in May. And May was like way too close. It was already like February or something. I felt too weird about it, too scared. It was it was a scary feeling to just stay or not stay, go or not go. It, it was too big of idea. But because it was so big and because you were a part of it and because we were like building a relationship, I started to trust a bit more. I started to have a bit more faith. I started to do more research. And so then your next trip was October. So October of 21. Oh, in the middle of all that stuff. Still pandemic-y stuff. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That was the trip in itself. 
And I remember you and I had these conversations about the future of our caregiving roles, right? Because your mother-in-law had severe dementia and you were watching her deteriorate. My dad was 90. His wife was 88 and completely paralyzed in a nursing home winding down. And I remember saying to you, I have a feeling that March of 2022 is going to be when both of us will be relieved of our caregiving duties. I don't know. I just had this feeling that that was, that was about the horizon for your mother-in-law, about the horizon for my parents. Not that I wished them gone, but I could see that that was likely. And so how did we end up going in October then? Because there was something that switched that said, we're not waiting for people to die in order to go walk the Camino. How do we do that? That's true. The more that we sat in the reality of death, because it was just seemed to be all over it, I decided to ask death to dance with me. Oh. I decided to embrace the fact that I don't have to hide from death. I don't need to be afraid of death. I only can and I get to choose how to be comfortable with it. And so within the comfort of aligning the trip, knowing, and I was just so, felt just so supported by all the stuff that you have already compiled, the resources, the trip, the the cost, the 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 dues and the know-hows and the people that to meet when and where. And it just, because there was a roadmap, my comfort with their, their decline empowered me. It empowered me that this is possible. I found caregivers to, to support me in my journey. I found, um, the rhythm and the routine, I was able to create the, you know, get all the nurses on and all the palliative care. And I really just, I, I began to hyper-focus and say, I deserve this. And I deserve this. Here's the roadmap. This is what I need to do. And everything's going to be okay without me. Everything's going to be okay. Because you know what? Death's going to happen anyway. Yeah. And I don't need to be afraid that of the inevitable. I need to dance with it. And you know that one of the number one things that fail with caregivers is that they die before their recipients. Really? Yeah. So I was ready to live and live with death was okay with me. Wow. I no longer opened the door feeling like, is today going to be the day? Is today, you know, when I open the door, what am I going to find? Wow. Is she going to be on the floor? Is she going to be alive? Is she going to be dead? You know, what, you know, what kind of mess is there to clean up? Yeah. I love that shift that you talked about to realizing that you deserve this for you. And I think that's an essential thing with caregivers as we sacrifice so much for the people we're caring for. And I think parents do that as well. We sacrifice, 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 and wake up one day and go, what about me? And I love that message that, yeah, you deserve, you deserve to have something in your life, many things in your life that fulfill and satisfy and uplift you. Yeah, some some sacred balance. Because the imbalance of the depression, the stress-induced depression was was an overwhelm and burnout. Yeah. And it just became so textual. I could just feel despair. And that's okay. But it be, when it becomes, when you start falling to the other side of the Vulcrum and you, you can't feel, you feel like you can't get out. You need that something in the distance, that beautiful something. And so what was it that was so attractive about the Camino? For one, you were very inspiring and knowledgeable. So that made me feel safe. For two, you're caring and you were, you, you were holding me and we were able to just release and exchange stories you know what what happened to you today oh so and so flipped their food on the floor and then <laughs> i had to clean it up and then the dog came and 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 then the neighbor and then you know i was like oh yeah me too grandma took off her diaper and threw it at me i you know i just wouldn't i i need you <laughs> i need to talk right? about it right yeah and to be able to meet at the river and that was so special <laughs> to me to meet at the river and just go, you know what, let's just walk it off and yeah, just talk it off. 
Yeah, just and there was this tiny nugget way in the distance called the Camino. I had only dreamed about it, and I didn't know my experience would be as profound as it was. Oh, so let's talk about that experience. What would you like to share about that? Well, I, I, it was okay. So it was my first time being alone. Alone in what way? Alone in what way? Well, I raised five children. I got married at a very young age. I started having children at a young age. I, you know, was consumed with with family responsibilities my entire life, and balancing um, um, maternal family issues like alcoholism and addiction. And so there just was just this overhang of stress my whole life. And it was my first time being alone, my first time leaving all those people. And I'm like, uh, your kids are growing up. It's time. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It was my first time being in a foreign country. It was my first time feeling my femininity and, and like balancing that fear factor. What does that mean? Tell me more about that. That means that when I'm, I'm all alone. So if I was to remove myself and I just see myself as a person, I'm a, you know, American woman uh, in her forties and she's all by herself with a backpack on and there she goes and no one's around her. Um, so you're vulnerable and you just, as a female, you're just already stepping into that. You're already in a vulnerable space alone. And so the the fear factor in the back of my head, like, it, okay, this is a big risk, but I'm already dying anyway. Uh, this is, um, you know, financially a big step. Well, I've been saving for 10 years. That's okay. You're going to walk really, really far and your feet are going to hurt. That's okay. I'll take four pairs of shoes. <laughs> I, I just kept coming up with, with the part that would drag me down. And I was like, doubt, okay, you're out. Doubt is out. No more, no more doubting. You're just gonna take a leap of faith. You just, you just, would you rather just stay here and suffocate? Or would you rather be able to go and say, I tried this. I, I attempted to go and take the biggest risk ever in my life. I am choosing to live. And that's what it gave to me. It, it, it put me in a, a survival mode. It changed my whole outlook on life of how play is a risk. I wanted to play with me. I wanted to be my best friend. I wanted to have an experience of knowing that I am held by all these other pilgrims that are out there doing the same thing. I want a story to share. Oh. I want to sit back when I'm old and say, oh, I remember when. I wanted to make memory in a big way because I felt like I had enough room for something big. Can I just say what an honor it was to witness your journey and yeah. to, to, to walk alongside you getting ready and to be there with you when you arrived, when I found you and we went to the beauty and we got started and I'm like, <laughs> this is so nonlinear, but this, this is what we've got. This is our Camino together. And it was, it was such an honor to witness that. That was really cool because on a big picture, we met and we, we grew a relationship. And then one day I was like, okay, I'll see you later way over there on the other side of the world. And, um, you know, I'll be there waiting for you. And it's like, you know, you're playing this weird checker game and then click, there you and are. And you're there. You're there. And I was like, oh my God, I just saw you last week in California. I it, know. Was, it was surreal. <laughs> yeah. it was really weird. International travel is so surreal because you get, you get into this metal tube and you sit still for 10 hours, 15 hours, however long, 24, if you're coming from the Southern hemisphere, and then you, you're in another country, you're on another continent. And there's other languages and I don't know how to find food and where am right. I going to sleep? And, oh, I know you. I know you. Okay, there, I there, I know you. you. <laughs> and it felt so good. The, the connection is what, it, it was another highlight of the Camino is, is the connections. 
because you're just, you know, you can choose to be in a bubble or a group and you can bounce in and out or, you know, it's just, but when you, when you connect with somebody, you get to share this silent adventure, the silent static, there's just this static going on and you get to just be real. Real life is happening. Real, real stuff is happening. It's surreal. It's just, that's the only word I can come up with. It's right a now. good word for it. Yeah. So I had a flashback a couple minutes ago when we were getting ready together and I got to meet your mom. We, I, I came over to your house and she was there and we sat around the table and we're planning some things. I remember you telling me that your mom was a little worried about this thing you were going to do. What, what was that all about? That was um, her, her fear factor. Her fear factor of not being able to see, I can't, she's too far. I can't keep her safe. What of this and this and this and this and this? She's a big worry board. She's got this big thing going on. And I remember telling her about you and she's like, well, does she have credentials? Does she, who is, do you, do you trust her? Where is she from? What does she do? What is, what, what does she look like? <laughs> <You> know, she, <laughs> She sees me as a vulnerable one, uh-huh. one as a daughter, you know, but two as a, as a female. She She's sitting in her own femininity going, I can't, I couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. That's too, that's too much for me. That's too much and too scary for me, right? She got empowered though, because she saw how beautiful it was when I would call like send her pictures or something and she wants to know how I'm doing yeah mom look at look at the view look at this 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 trail this look it's cobblestone and I would walk on the cobblestone and I could hear the horses and the buggies I could hear the wheels the wooden wheels of commerce I could feel history under my feet and all around me with Roman soldiers or you know a progression of some sort or you know, other Camino walkers, just, she relaxed a little bit. She got softer, but the doubts were so big because it's a, it's scary. It is big and scary. Yeah. And, and it's one of the things that struck me when I first started leading groups is that people's families and friends are worried about what you're doing. You're, I'm sorry, you're going to go walk 500 miles, 800 kilometers kilometers what what why and i remember i had a woman in one of my groups she was 65 ish mid 60s i'll say and her mother who you know you had to add at least 20 years for that was terrified for her and was like oh okay well since you're going with nancy i guess it's okay <laughs> so <laughs> sweet you know and i didn't expect that but yeah to to be able to find something that gives our family and friends, a peace of mind to know that you're going to be okay and that this is a well-trod path. And to have other people, I think that's the greatest gift is to connect with other people before you go so yeah. that you you have, no, no, I've got this friend. I'm not alone. Yeah. And I was not alone. And that was so helpful. I knew that there is a community. Mm-hmm. I knew that, um, and walking into this, so so now that it's I've had, I can I can reflect on on how I kind of knew, but I really was in a state of trust. And yeah, faith. you have to. But be. this is um, the the society, the community, um, all year long. The roads, the albergues are set up for you to feel successful and safe and taken care of. There's food, there's amenities, uh, there's a way around it. You know, it, it's it's a thing. It's a thing. Thousands of people do all the time. So there is a safety net to know that you really aren't alone. You really aren't alone. And um, even though there were some funky restrictions that made you isolate, and also another isolation fear went for me was that I just discovered I had celiac. I had never entered the world outside of my kitchen. My kitchen was the safest space for me, how am I supposed to travel with all this gluten everywhere? I was terrified. I didn't know. But again, there was that internal plea. My inner self was pleading for some life, for some adventure, for some reason to move my body, a goal to to foster some strength for. 
and say that I'm worth that, there's a huge, huge supportive community. And I went by myself. Like it was, it was a big deal to, to walk in and say, Hey, I, I, I can be a pilgrim too. Can I be a pilgrim with you? <laughs> <laughs> it was great. You did it so courageously. And so, yeah. And the thing is that I notice is we never really know what someone else is going through. You know, I, I knew you, we got to, we got prepared together. I met you there, but there was still all this internal stuff going on that nobody ever knows about. And then we get to the other side and we can go, whoa, what did I just do? <laughs> Who did that? So I want to hear how it went and, and what you brought away from the Camino. What would you like to share with us about that? Oh, man. Life got real simple. Oh, my goodness. Down to... Um, and that was the cool thing now that I'm I'm hearing myself say this. All the distractions fell away when I had to focus on my own survival. Okay. Because you you need your water, you need your shade, you need your bathroom, you need your food, you need your shoes, you need your layers, and you need some chapstick. You need to know <laughs> what the weather is going to bring you, and you need to know where you're going to stop. Am I going to go uphill that day or am I going to go downhill that day? You know, it's life gets so essential in your movement and how you're going to be uplifted in the everyday stress of living on the Camino or walking. And it's not like it's all roses and cherries. <laughs> no. That that experience took me out of the spinning wheel, the loop of the stressful thoughts of, of, of caring for everybody else and thinking for everybody else. And if I can do that well for other people, I want to try it on me. Yes. So I would see, you know, can I take care of myself? Can I be my own caretaker? Can I be a best friend? Can I take myself on an experience? And so I was prepared. And in that preparation, my my biggest stress was that I would have six pockets and lose my chapstick for I, I thought I put it in this pocket. No, I thought I put it. Where is my chapstick? Oh, I why do I have so many pockets? Oh, this is where <laughs> that went, but that's not what I need right now. I need my chapstick because it's 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 windy. <laughs> I love you know, it. I simple. love it. The simplicity of where's my chapstick? <laughs> my chapstick. <laughs> the temperatures uh, flex. It would be cold and then it would be hot. So I had all these layers. And I remember I had this um, big veil shawl thing. And I was the only one wearing a hat. And I, and I would see people with these sunburns on their face, on the west side of their faces, mm -hmm. because you're only going in one direction every day. Yeah. So everybody after a while would get all red on the side of their face. I was like, okay, so I would wear this shawl around my head and it would drape, but I could see through it. <laughs> <laughs> this weird lady, the only one wearing a hat and covering her head. And then I would like... um wear these hair ties around my finger. So I would tuck the end of the shawl on my finger and I had these like wings and <laughs> I was very special pilgrim. Well, you know what, Tiffany, that actually just totally works for what I know of you. That just, <laughs> you, you, you're just, you are that free spirit and that, you know what, that's how everyone else is doing it. I think I'll do it this way instead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love it. And I made sure that I changed my shoes. I saw people with their blisters. Yeah. And I heard about the blisters and I researched about the blisters. And this is why I love this pod because you're giving the information. Like these are possibilities. Mm -hmm. And yeah, blisters are a thing. We have feet and we use them. So I would make sure I would enter, like change my shoes. That was important to me. It was important to just feel successful. And, and one, that was the other thing. I would leave in the morning. I would take my time. I didn't hang out with a, with a group of people. I had to eat a special diet. So sometimes I couldn't eat what they served. I was on my own alone. And I felt good in it. I had some music. I would wear my ear pods so I didn't disturb other people with what I wanted to listen to. And I would just embrace 
the elements of the day. And so day by day by day, the success of a 24-hour day, I got up, I packed, I have a reservation, I've pre-planned my, you know, my success. I'm going to reach for the end of my day. I'm walking into the end of my day. And when you sit down, you feel exhausted. Oh, it feels so good to put your feet up, take a break. And that's all you needed. Everything else fell away. By the time I got home, I was a whole new person, ready to really just sit and absorb the experience. And three years later, I'm still doing that. I'm still on the way. It's been fun to watch. It's been so fun to see what you've done since you walked the Camino. So let's talk about that now. Let's talk about what happened after the Camino and how you transitioned to where you are now. And then we're going to talk about where you are now. So let's talk about that transition. What, what has been going on? So when I got back home, I was gone. I, I did the Camino for about two weeks and then I spent some time in Italy. So I was gone a month. By the time I got home, my relationship with my partner, um, grandma, and the people I was living with got worse. They didn't do well without me. I was in the hopes that things would be fine. But when I got home, grandma had bad bed sores. Um, she had a deeper steady decline. She, her, her, like she, in dementia, they plateau and then they drop. And then they plateau and then they drop. So she had dropped. My partner was consuming more alcohol. And my roommates, my elder children, were getting deeper into their own ill mental addictions. That did not feel good. That made me feel like, did I make a mistake? So when I got back into caregiving, which was 24 seven, she was living with me and I would sit in silence in her room as she would be in bed. And I would say to myself, I lean back and I remember walking into Australia. It was a tall climb. It was hot and it was step after step, hill after hill. I had to work really hard. And putting my memory back into something that I worked hard for helped me resolve that I can work hard for myself enough to help other people feel more comfortable in their death. My focus on grandma got bigger and bigger. My focus on my partnership got less and less. My focus on his alcoholism or their addictions got less and less. I was able to go back to the Camino and remember the butterfly I saw or the, the huge slug that I saw. Cool. You know, just seeing plants that grow there, they also grow here. So whenever I went for a walk, I was still able to step on the Camino and it helped me. It, it, it helped resolve that I'm worth enough. So even if I'm worth so much to somebody else that without me, they get worse, that's not my story. My story is when I close my eyes, I see the sun. I see that blue sky. I smell the air. I feel the breeze. I see people riding their bikes and they're just so happy. I see the, the pot of people just talking and talking and talking and talking. And the one biggest vision that stood out to me the most on the way to, um, it was outside of Vienna. It was one of the bigger towns. There was a couple and they walked past me. I was a very slow walker. They walked past me and they're in sync. They're holding each other and the, they're the same size and the soles of their feet as they walked were the same. They were so in sync. I got so sad. I got so sad. I started crying because I wanted that. I want a relationship like that. 
I want a partner like that. I want someone to take risk and play with me. I don't want someone to continue to hide in their alcoholism or, or just throw and use me for my services. I want to be in love. The Camino showed me what was really important. It showed me what I didn't have and what I could have. And so there was a um, lamenting. There was um, grief and loss. There was um, a validation that I'm worth having love. Yes, you are. And the Camino gave that to me. Yes. Oh, boo-hoo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, tears are okay. Tears are okay. It's a, just a really poignant and moving story. Yeah, and you are. You're, you are magic. I just remember after our time together when we were getting ready for the walk and we'd meet and I'd be just, I'd walk away going, this, this something special about this woman. There's some magic here that I don't, it's unfamiliar, but I want it. I want to be around <laughs> it. Yeah. 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 And I, one of my favorite memories of our time when we were in Spain together was driving back to Barcelona. Once yeah. we were done, we had to get back for our flight and I had a rental car and we, we started laughing because laughter, I'm going to have you talk about your laughter work. I, we started laughing and it was just like, I, you know, I, I hadn't done that very much. And then we st we started laughing and we kept laughing and then we laughed funnier. We laughed different. We laughed up, down, you know, and it just, it was so freeing and so fun to just be with you and what you bring out into the world. And I want you to talk about that. What are you bringing out into the world? Yeah. Tell us about that. Well, I would have to say that the Camino experience has been very responsible for my <laughs> laughter journey. So okay. I am a mirthologist. And a mirthologist is someone who studies joy practices of how to be in the action of celebration. Example, when I see you, I celebrate you. I put my <laughs> arms up and I say, oh my God, my God, yeah. <laughs> and when we do that, we put ourselves in such a state of, of jubilee, merry, you know, gaiety, just the, it, the action of celebration. The Camino afforded that to me. Okay. Well, there's the practice I do because of my desperation within caregiving and the loss of working with joy with children into dementia. And um, I had known this woman for 30 years and she completely forgot about me and thought I was trying to kill her every day. You know, wow. the, the psyche got really bad. Wow. I said, no, I'm a good person, but <laughs> you know, I want to live like uh, within her context. Sure. I started a laughter practice that saved my life. Mm. That laughter yoga practice was intentionally laughing when nothing is funny. You create the laughter within yourself. You create the mirth in your body and you celebrate the little things inside of you that help you. And you can celebrate all the other stuff that goes along with it. But there's a portion of health. They say that laughter is the best medicine. And um, that sparked me. It actually encouraged me more to take the risk of the Camino, which then afforded me strength. And within that strength of faith and trust of the Camino, the laughter held me through it. And when we met and we laughed and, you know, we had intentional laughter, it gets goofy, but it creates connection. Yeah. When you can laugh with somebody, you feel safe with them. Yeah. And that's everything, you know, it affords me a state of mind that anything is possible and highly probable when you want it. And that again, was that onward trek of one foot in front of the other. You can only go one step at a time on that Camino. The Camino was the proof of the pudding. The laughter was pudding, but the Camino was the proof of it. And so now, three years later, I have a little tattoo on my right foot of the Camino shell. 
And when I'm feeling doubt, I just kick it right out <laughs> because there she is one step at a time on the way, on the way to what? On the way to birthing mirth on this earth, in the way of the celebration of just being human, just being human and being okay in it. Is it okay to be human? Laughter does that. Laughter flips the script of depression. Laughter can save lives through suicide, cancer recovery, loss, addiction, grief, PTS, suicidal tendencies, all the above, which I have experienced. Laughter is my life vest that keeps me afloat and I'm to help support other people through it. Yeah. So I, I want you to talk about that because you know, we know laughter is the best medicine and, and everything that you say, we can kind of just nod and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you have discovered some real life case studies yes. around this. Will you talk a little bit about what you did? You, you actually went out into the world and found these people. So yes. would you talk about that? Because I think I, I want to substantiate this. Okay. So um, in, in relationship to the Camino Part of that affording that it gave me, that risk I took, helped me for my next challenge. And my next challenge was to travel around the, um, the North Continent of Canada, uh, some Latin America, and the United States. I went and bought a van, and I traveled 30,000 miles to interview people on how laughter saved their lives. And with these interviews, it's... It's proof of, of that pudding again. And I put it out there to show people how important laughter really is. Why are we born with this ability? What does it do for us? So I went out and I traveled because I knew I could. I knew I could be resourceful. I knew I could ask for help. I knew that I can um, <laughs> change my shoes and locate my chapstick. I knew how to travel now with gluten-free options. Oh my God, that was huge. The faith and strength that the Camino gave me, I was able to go out into the world again and again and again. And to meet all these people who were in isolation due to our you know, these restrictions, they felt seen and now they get to be heard. And I post their stories online about how laughter saved their lives too. See, this to me, this is what the Camino is really about. You know, for many people, it's the experience. Being on the trail gives you this experience, connects you to the global community of pilgrims. You meet people from all over the world. You get physically strong and fit. But there's something that I think we've got to talk about more. And that is what happens after the Camino. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It really set me up for success in my own being of what I was truly looking for. I was looking for connection. When I saw that couple, I was beginning to understand what I really needed. And what I needed was a community. What I needed was a connection. And what I needed was to feel again. I became so numb. It, it was like I had this numerator on my heart that was all patched together and it just started breaking away. Um, I was more empathetic. I listened better. I didn't try to fill space with my own, um, in a conversation with my my own advances of, of what, you know, I just wanted to hear them. I just wanted to hear their story and to see it and to hold it up to the light. For everyone to say, you know, there's something deeper here. And the Camino just afforded me that I can. Mm -hmm. I can do that. I can yeah. go out on my own. I can drive out and meet people and, and set up. Oh, that was the other cool thing was that um, when you're on the Camino, you have to, you know, think enough ahead of where you're going to stay the night and you know how are you going to work things and then what about the next day and the next day or this this flight or this meeting it helped me put that in a perspective and i felt so like executive you know i was like wow i'm my own ceo the camino afforded that 
I was able to feel successful in sharing people's lives. Not the Camino. I don't, I don't know if it would have been that strong, if I would have felt that secure in myself. It might have taken a lot longer. It could have. Yeah. I wouldn't have had like that couple experience and the, the grief and the loss. Yeah. I wouldn't have had specific little weird nuonic things that, that the walk just gives to you. You know, Little you things, if we're paying attention, we can take those little things and see how they fit into the bigger picture. That's right. And then you look back and go, oh, I see what that uh, was about. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I'm curious. So, I, you know, I've, I've known you now for a few years and I, I've seen how this has progressed. And when I talk to you, I just get this sense of joy and celebration and freedom. Has it been a straight shot right on up or has it been sort of an up and down rocky road for you? What, what's been the trajectory? Oh, it's, it's definitely still like going, you're going up. It's hard. It hurts. You're sweating. In the process of you're changing your shoes, changing your socks, wearing sunscreen, you know what's ahead. You get to be smart enough to design your life. You just don't leave it all up to chance all the time. There's intention. So when I got to go downhill and it's kind of rocky and I slip or when it starts raining, what a bummer, but I got a poncho. <sighs> Emotionally, going through, now going through a divorce, I've been replaced. I feel like I've been replaced with alcoholism. I've had to suffer lots of grief. So life is still going uphill and downhill. If I didn't have laughter, my state of mind and state of depression would be severely worse. That I do, I can see that. Yeah. Without a joy practice in my life, of feeling like I have something to respond to. Mm -hmm. As a caregiver, you're just waiting to respond. On the other side of it, when when there's a plateau and the birds are singing and you're hot in the sun, but they're but you know, you lift up your arms because your armpits are sweating and you just let the wind kind of like do that for you. You just let life do its funny little things and you can feel supported and loved in it. Yeah. And so when I reflect, when I sit back and I go back. There's just those little things, like you said, those little parts of the bigger picture that just supports you. Take the risk. Take the risk. We're all going to gather sticks and water. Even after enlightenment, we're gathering sticks and water. It just, you know, life isn't going to stop. So just keep lifing. Keep lifing. We're lifing. Okay. So you mentioned joy practice. And I, I want you to share with us. You're this practice that you, you invented it or you, I don't know the right word to say it. Of course you, you didn't invent laughter, but you pulled together <laughs> a daily joy practice. And I got to, I got to learn this back in December. Yeah. And so I want you to talk about this practice that yes. you have come up with. Thank you. Okay. So, um, even prior to the Camino, I started doing this practice because I was waking up worrying about what I was going to find when I opened the door. Yeah. What am I going, what am I in for today? How elbows deep are we getting? So I, I decided to flip my script from worrying about worrying to wake up laughing <laughs> because I get to, I get to make that choice. I get to do that. It's not easy. Mm -hmm. And there was a journey of it. And so this practice is called wolfing. It's an acronym that says, wake up, laughter, fun, in, now, gratitude, with a big G. Gratitude that I get to do this. Gratitude that I'm safe. Gratitude that I get to choose these adventures that I want for my life. 
and still be able to balance caregiving and family and all those other things that just aren't going to disappear, but you get to manipulate a part you're in control of. And that put me in a state of joy. So woofing is a joy practice. And there are some techniques. You're right. I did not invent laughter. It's our attitude <laughs> that we're given. Yeah. But what I did do was come up with these techniques. So in the study of it, I did like this ground theory study. I would set up my phone and I would record myself literally within the first couple minutes of waking up. And I noticed that when you wake up, you feel your body, you might smell something, your ears come on, you know, your thoughts come online. You're just like starting to flicker through all of it. And I would notice my thoughts. Oh, is she dead yet? Oh, do I have enough wipes? Oh, is today shower day? What am I going to deal with today? Yeah. Instead, I would take those thoughts, I would put them over here and I would look at them. And that's where gratitude came in. I would look at them and fine tune it down, 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 down. Tiffany, are you safe? Where are you? I'm right here in bed. Huh. Did you, did you enjoy your pillow? Did it, did it keep your, your head nice and fluffy? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Want to give your pillow a hug? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, pillow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What about this blanket? Your, your grandma made this afghan for you when you were a little kid. Oh yeah, she did. Let me touch that for a second. Let me just sit with my grandma. How she sat there for a minute, just crocheting this blanket. Thank you. Thank you, grandma. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And so with this gratitude, I can kind of like, well, how, 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 what do you think about laughing with grandma right now? Before you get out of bed, you want, you want to laugh? Yeah, let's grab a laugh with grandma. So I would get the blanket and I would hug it and I would rock side to side. And this is called the hug and roll. Actually, it's one of the techniques. And you just sit in a memory of gratitude or maybe something funny or or maybe I saw her smile or hear her laugh. She had a really nice laugh. It was a... <laughs> you know, she just had this nice chuckle. So I began to loop happy things instead of worrying about the stuff I was having to get into anyway, which was inevitable, you know, I, I was going to get there anyway. But if I can wake up in a sense of joy for my inner being, which could have been grandma that in that moment, stepping in gratitude, enjoying the series of waking up, how I get to have an experience. By the time I'm getting out of bed after having a little giggle, I was, I was, I was more willing to take a risk of adventure, however it came. So if the adventure was getting grandma into the wheelchair and getting the wheelchair down the hall, but it couldn't quite turn the corner right without busting the wall and then being able to pick her up and put her on the toilet, you know, all these little steps. The more I practiced laughing in the morning, the more I found myself laughing through the chores of the day. Mm. By the end of the day, I'm still exhausted and my back still hurts. But now I get to look forward to waking up again. I get uh, to look forward to waking up with some joy again. Ah, uh, yes. And better and better. Okay. So I got to talk about what happened for me when I did your workshop in December. Um, you know, one of the things that I struggle with is food and uh, emotional eating. And um, when I don't have those comfort things, when I don't have people to connect with and I don't have everything I want in life, I go to food. And what I had discovered is I had become really disconnected to my body so that I was like, yeah, I, I don't care. I'm going to eat whatever I want, Blah. you know, and I wasn't exercising. And I'm, I'm sitting there in December and I just gotten off a group call with my pilgrims who I'm taking on the Camino in May and September next year. And I'm like, I have to lead them up and over the Pyrenees. And I, there is no way this body's going to do it. There's no way. So I got to shift something. Something has to shift and it has to shift fast. So your workshop was so perfectly timed because what it did, I started doing this practice right after the next day. I'm like, all right, okay, this is really kind of strange. And I don't think, I don't know, this is, 
this is so not me, but I don't care. I'm doing it because I've got to get into my body. And it was, it was almost instant within a couple of days, I think, where I could suddenly go, oh, I, I'm, I, I'm me. I'm, this is all of me. It was sort of a holistic shift. Mm-hmm. And I just noticed that I no longer dreaded my day. I no mm-hmm. longer dreaded getting up. And I actually would do the practice, the all three steps. Mm-hmm. And I would just kind of like, okay, let's go. Let's start the day. Let's get out of bed. Woo! You know, it was so bizarre. And that hasn't stopped. Oh. It hasn't. It's <laughs> it's so unexpected. Yeah, it's so unexpected. And I bet that people who you've talked to and who have done your workshop have all kinds of results and all kinds of reasons why they keep doing it and why it, you know, why this is working for them and what they specifically got out of it. But I just, I just, I love it <laughs> so much, so much so that I started, I, I'm trying to get myself totally on track. So I created a habit tracker with all yeah. the different things I want to make sure I do every day. And it's on there. It's oh, on nice. there. And every morning I get up and I go, check. <laughs> I'm like so excited <laughs> that I did it. Yeah. So anyway, I, I wanted you to talk about that because I know you've got another workshop coming up and I want people to be able to go to this workshop, get some time with you. And the other thing that I love is you actually had some science behind this in your workshop. You talk about, for real, this is why laughter works and this is why this is good for you. And then also just to spend, I remember when I first got on the call and you got music playing and you're dancing and, you know, it took me a while to get up to that level of joy, but yes, it's, yeah, it's so contagious. So contagious. Yeah. Anything else you would like to say about your workshop? Yeah. Well, the next workshop, these are half hour workshops on Zoom. It's free. It is February 17th. 10 a.m. Pacific time. And the results people are having for you, one, which is which is huge. You've reconnected into your body. And another person uh, is a farmer and he says, my body hurts. I, I am so connected to my body. I like to use laughter to just kind of get out of it for a second. Another woofer does it in the shower. Because he's, you know, he says, I found that when I get in the shower, I'm really roggy, groggy, not ready for my day. But when I turn that hot water into cold water, I start laughing. And I do ninja punches to the water stream while I'm laughing because I'm just so empowered by it. The beautiful part about laughter is that, yeah, there is scientific research behind it. And so I share the story of how researching laughter more helped me say, this is so empowering. I need to share this because not only has laughter saved my life and I have documented how it saved other people's lives, but this is actually a technique. It's a practice. And you're like, at first you're like, uh, this is strange. I'm not comfortable there is nothing funny and I sound ridiculous. What about my partner? Am I annoying them? What about the rest of the people in the house? You know, you, you, you second guess and you judge. Your critical judge is so ready to throw you into jail for something. But laugh the whole way. Laugh the whole way. Because not only does it dump out all kinds of happy hormones, it puts you in the affect for the rest of your day to deal with all the BS that we have. And it makes sense why now, why I, I know, I know for a sure fact, and that's still my opinion, but it changes the way you look and do life. Yeah. It's so funny what you just said about thinking about the other people in the house. This morning when I woke up, I'm like, I get to talk to Tiffany today. I was all excited. And so I like, I wanted to just like laugh like crazy. And so, but I've got housemates. So I, I put my face in the pillow and went, just went totally like as loud as I wanted to right into the pillow. It was hilarious. And I'm like, oh, Tiffany. Oh, Tiffany, you got okay. me. You got me. <laughs> I know all it's right. weird. I know it's strange. I know it's out of the box. 
And we're raised in a culture where either you're laughing at somebody else because they fell down and you didn't, or, you know, something happened on, on uh, the TV show and it's, you know, we don't leave laugh. When you let go, that laughter has to be because of something. You start doing it from your inner child. Laughter is going to create space. It's going to acclimate you. All right. So how do people find you? How do they get connected with you? How do they sign up for the workshop? How does all that work? So there's a website. Okay. Wolfnow.com. W-U-L-F-N-O-W.com. Wolfnow. And Wolf is Wake Up Laughter Fun. That's the acronym. And, you know, that's a landing page. So you can also just jump on there and click in and sign up. Yep. I get your sign up and then I communicate with you and send you the link of when we're ready to to do the show. Excellent. I'm going to put that in the show notes. So in case anybody didn't catch that, they'll have that so they can connect with you. And then just, yeah, just to find out what it's like to hang out with you for a little bit. I think it's uh, it's it's pretty darn fun. <laughs> yeah. You know what? You're, you are a ceremony. We're all ceremonies. What does that mean? That means that we get to celebrate each other every day. Yeah. Every day. That's what's so beautiful about being um, mortal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, we get to live and it feels so good. Yeah. When you can get to that point where you can you can let that emerge in the presence of all that other stuff, because life curiously isn't going to go away until it goes away. So in the meantime, let's see what we can do with it. Any final words? Yeah. When, when you're, if you, especially if you're a caregiver, when your elbow's deep and you've just been beating the day, you're exhausted, you're tired, you have a headache, you're hungry. You didn't make time for your enough time for yourself. Just know that you deserve to have yourself as your best friend. Have that conversation with that little one inside. Do a little giggle in full gratitude for the best medicine there is in the world today. It's all inside. Yeah. So that reminds me of, for people listening, even if you, I hope you will join the workshop, but if you can't, if you know anyone who might enjoy it, feel free to pass it on. And also, especially, I know Tiffany, now you're working with caregivers specifically. That's really your focus on who you're helping. So especially if you have any caregivers in your life, Mm -hmm. let's get them turned on to this as well. Yes. All right. What a great Camino story. Thank you. Tiffany, thanks so much for being with me today. Really a pleasure. I love hanging out with you. It's always a treat. Thank you. All right. 